Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Don't Be Surprised edition, as Jake Browning looks to lead the Bengals to their fourth straight win as they face the dreaded, hated, but grudgingly respected Pittsburgh Steelers on Saturday at Akershire Stadium. Coming up, Boomer Esiason shares his thoughts on the Jake Show. B.J. Hill discusses his flypaper hands, and in this week's Know the Foe conversation, we'll look at the Steelers with former Pittsburgh O-lineman Max Starks. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the medicine ball. As you can probably hear, I've been battling a nasty cold and a scratchy throat for several days, and my friends, Marty Grunder and Kelsey Conway, who covers the Bengals for the Inquirer, both recommended a Starbucks drink called the Medicine Ball. It's officially named Honey Citrus Mint Tea, and it's made with half hot water and half steamed lemonade, adding both a bag of peach tranquility tea and jade citrus mint tea, and then finishing it off with a touch of honey. It isn't a miracle cure, but it is very soothing and does relieve some of the symptoms. It tastes good too. So, if and when you catch a cold this winter, try a medicine ball from Starbucks. It's like curling up in front of the fireplace in a cup. Now, let's get to football. Jake Browning is the first quarterback in history to throw for more than 1,000 yards and complete at least 75% of his passes in his first four starts. Offensive coordinator Brian Callahan admits that Jake has exceeded expectations. I mean, he's played historically well. Uh, so I think that that's, that, would be, that would have been a surprise. I, I thought Jake could, was capable of playing well um, to, to play as well as he has. Um, again, not surprised, but certainly was better than anticipated. Um, I, I thought we could win games with Jake. We had confidence in him, and, and he's kind of shot past whatever I thought he was, he was capable of. He's, he's obviously capable of a whole lot more. Um, but it's been, it's been a cool journey for him, and, and hopefully it continues. We need it to. You know, we're, we're fighting for our, our playoff lives here in, in the next three weeks, and hopefully he continues to play as good as he's played, and he'll put us in good position. For more on the Bengals quarterback, I caught up with a former Bengals quarterback this week. The NFL MVP in 1988, who was inducted into the Bengals' Ring of Honor back in September, Boomer Esiason. Boomer, in his four starts, Jake Browning is completing 76% of his passes. He's averaging 295 passing yards a game. His passer rating is 109+. plus. Are you, in fact, amazed by what he's done? Look how easy this is, Dan. It's unbelievable. Anybody <laughs> could do it. Uh, of course, I'm as amazed that I'm as as amazed as anybody else is, and uh, I don't think he's that amazed. I think uh, he seems to be a pretty competent guy, and he also seems to be a pretty humble guy. Unless he's yelling into the camera, "This is what you get for cutting me." But then again, I could totally understand that emotion. That's exactly what you want out of your quarterback. 
Um, I would say he's a very likable guy. Seems like his teammates really respect him. Seems like Joe Burrow and he have a great relationship. And I think he's mimicking a lot of the stuff that uh, Joe did. I will say, going into this week's uh, game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you think back four weeks ago, you were there, you did the game. You know, he struggled against that Steeler 3-4 defense. And what coaches don't understand sometimes, and I'll never forget this because David Klingler made his first start against Bill Cower and that 34 defense in Riverfront Stadium in 1992, I believe it was. And he was sacked 11 times. And he was sacked 11 times because he wasn't prepared properly. He had too many things going on in his brain, and our coaching staff did not prepare him. I sat on the sidelines praying to God that he didn't get hurt, that he was going to have to go through it. And I think four weeks ago, um, if you ask Jake, and I've seen Jake talk about this, he would tell you that his head was spinning because he was worried about the pass protections. And I don't want to get into the weeds with too many people, but a 3-4 defense, much more difficult to pass block against, especially when you have a number of pass protections in the game plan than a 4-3 defense. So he'll be back where he came from, you know, four weeks ago, and I'm sure he's going to be a lot better. And I'm sure the coaches are going to have a much better game plan for him on Saturday than they did four weeks ago. I'm glad you referenced his tossing of his helmet and screaming at the uh, camera after beating his former team because you were famously fiery in your playing days. Was that moment revealing to you in any way? Yeah, I mean, he's had a chip on his shoulder and it's been there probably for about three and a half, four years. And uh, this was a moment for him to let it go. I mean, any of us who have been through uh, the car wash, if you will, can all appreciate that emotion. And I think that's exactly what is needed in the NFL. I I remember doing Tom Brady games uh, on radio and television and talking about why is Tom Brady getting so mad on the sideline? Why is he slamming the Microsoft Surface tablet down? Why is he yelling at a teammate? You know, that was the mental aspect of Tom Brady's game. If he felt like he had a lull in a game, the way for him to get back into it was to create an anger and a competitive edge that you need to be that, you know, competing quarterback for four quarters. It's not easy, especially when you're going through a 17-game season. So I, I love the emotion. I mean, that's that's what really, truly is great. It's, it's emotion, but it's not reckless. It's uh, not over the top. It's not across the line. It's just a competitive outburst that every quarterback should, uh, you know, have within them. And I'm glad I saw that out of Jake. So Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, and Dan Pitcher have been getting a lot of credit for their leadership since Joe Burrow went down, and deservedly so. Do you think people are looking at Zach Taylor a little bit differently for keeping the Bengals in the hunt? You know, I, you know, everything locally is always different with these 32 NFL teams. Uh, you know, I work here in New York, and if you look at the Jets and the Giants, it, it may be, we may have a different take on things because we see them, we talk about them every single day. Um, from a national perspective, for me, I mean, Zach Taylor is the perfect coach for the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow or without Joe Burrow, whether they were going to win or they were going to lose. All I can tell you is that the success that the two of them have had, why would you ever want to break that up? And I don't think the Brown family would ever even remotely think about that, given the nature of Joe's injury. But now what we see is we see, wow. They can do it, and they can do it with a backup quarterback, which is not the easiest thing to do. I think there's probably 17 or 18 other teams kind of going through what they're going through. Some teams are up to their fourth quarterback that they have to play with, including the Browns with Joe Flacco. So 
Um, I think it always is a telltale sign about a coach and how good and how great they can be when they don't have everything perfect around them. And when you have one of the top three quarterbacks in the league go out for the rest of the year, and now you're in this three-game uh, winning streak and you're right in the middle of the playoffs, that speaks volumes of that coaching staff. And that also speaks volumes of the defense because the defense has stepped up as well in big spots, especially when Jake has made a mistake. So uh, right now they're flying high. And, you know, I would hope that they would think they'd be thinking in the back of their mind, exacting a little bit of a revenge come this Saturday. Boomer, you were great at play action in your playing days. And during this four-week period, Jake Browning has been under center more than Joe Burrow was. They've run more play action than they had been earlier this season. Would you like to see them do more of that when Joe is healthy next year? I want to see more of that all over the league. You know, I, I, I consider the 49ers the true essence of great offensive play calling, play design, and the way that they execute their plays. They're players that are around Brock Purdy. And, uh, you know, Brock Purdy is a magician. He is uh, accurate. He's poised. He's under the center a lot. There's a lot of misdirection. There's bootlegs. There's a lot of eye candy when it comes to formations. All of that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that Sam Weish was known for. That was the stuff that Bill Walsh was known for. That's what the West Coast offense is all about. That's what Mike Shanahan was all about when he was in Denver and in Washington. And Kyle is kind of mimicking, you know, that uh, in San Francisco. And I think the Bengals, just to take some of the pressure off an untested young player who has not had a lot of live action, the best thing you can do is go back and say, we're going to run the ball. We're going to play action. We're going to have six and seven man protections. We're not going to do a lot of five man protections because that all of a sudden that's where the kid starts thinking too much. And we're going to try to keep it simple for him. So that's great game planning, but it's also the way that you win football games late in the NFL season when the weather turns cold. In your MVP season, Boomer, you had a tremendous thunder and lightning backfield. Icky Woods ran for more than 1,000 yards. James Brooks ran for 931. Now the Bengals have added the lightning element with rookie Chase Brown. Do you think he's given this offense something it didn't have? Well, the last three weeks, he's or four weeks, he certainly has. You know, he wasn't really used that much earlier in the season. Um, I can't say enough about Joe Mixon. You know, he took less money to come back. And we always are screaming and yelling about how much money guys are making. I mean, I, I think about the sacrifices that some of these guys have made, especially on the offensive side. And now all of a sudden they've become front and center and they're the guys that are making these incredible plays. And I, there's no question that uh, Brown is a, a nice add on to Mixon, but don't think for one moment that this isn't Joe Mixon's team. And, and he reflects the toughness of that running game. And that's the thing that I can appreciate. And I'm sure that Coach Callahan appreciates it as well, because you know, that's like a page right out of his dad's book. So it looks like Jamar Chase is out this week. When you're the starting quarterback and your number one target is out, is it next man up, business as usual, or do you do something differently leading up to the game? Well, you know, it happened to me. Uh, it happened with Carl Pickens and me in, in uh, 1997. He missed the last four games. He, he tore a groin muscle against Jacksonville. Um, and, you know, I walked into that, that meeting room with those wide receivers and said, okay, guys, you know, our main guy's not here. You know, the shaking Blake and all that other stuff is no longer going right now. It's, it's me and you guys. And Darnay Scott was one of those guys, and that's who T. Higgins is in this offense. You know, he's the Darnay Scott in this offense from my perspective. And if Jake is as good as I think he is and the way that he talks and the things that he says and 
Uh, I would think that while it is going to be a, a huge missing piece, um, I, I don't think it's going to inhibit anything that he does on the field. Let's put it that way. So, and that's the way a team should work. One guy goes down, another guy's got to step up. Quarterback's got to raise his game and everybody else has got to raise their game around him. And I think thus far, at least in this winning streak, that's what the Bengals are doing exactly. To face the Steelers on Saturday, a team with a three-game losing streak, a team that's turning to its number three quarterback this week. Should we remind ourselves these are still the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, hell yes. I mean, it is Steeler week, and I'm sure that Zach Taylor walked into that locker room, said, great win, boys. Turn your attentions to the black and gold because we're going, you know, up to Accusure Stadium, and we need to beat them there. Uh, we need to, you know, exact our, uh, I guess, pound of flesh, if you will. The, the revenge factor is all there. They'll have a much better quarterback playing in this game. They'll have a much better, better game plan going uh, for their offense in this game. But, you know, all these teams have lost significant players to injury, including the Bengals. And you look all over the field, there's going to be a lot of untested players on the defense for the Steelers, especially in the secondary, especially at the safety position. So that means to me, you know, that's a place you got to go after. And, and also what that tells me is that they're going to be very careful with what they're doing on defense. You know, they don't have Minka Fitzpatrick uh, running around back there telling everybody where to go. So if, you know, I would imagine they're, they're going to be pretty basic and they're not going to want to put anybody on an island that, you know, that can't stand on that island with T. Higgins. So I would think we're going to see a lot of zone defense and we're going to see your, your basic 34 fronts. I don't necessarily know you'll see a lot of this fire zone stuff that they would do if they were totally healthy, but they have problems at their safety positions, which is a very, very important position in that defense specifically. Last thing, the Bengals have climbed to the number six playoff seed with three games to go at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, home against the Cleveland Browns. What do you think of their chances of getting in? I mean, I don't know what to think, honestly. I mean, you know, when Jake Browning took over, who would have thought that they would be where they are right now? Um, I thought that the Broncos were going to go in there and smoke the Lions, and the Lions came out just absolutely drilling the Broncos. I mean, this is one of the most unpredictable seasons that I could ever remember except maybe for the top four teams in a league. I think we all felt like San Francisco was going to be there. We all felt like, you know, Philadelphia and Baltimore were going to be there. We all thought Cincinnati and Buffalo would be here too, but they've all dealt with certain issues along the way. I think Buffalo is going to make it. This is going to be a tough run for the Bengals. If they get this one this week, I, they need one of the next two, I think, to get in. Let's put it that way. So that last home game, could be really, really interesting against the Browns. That would be something. Boomer, you are the best. Can't thank you enough for your time. Happy holidays to you and your kids and your grandkids. And look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Dan. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. The Bengals are currently a two-point favorite for Saturday's game in Pittsburgh. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Unless you are an NFL historian, the following three names probably don't mean anything to you. Jason Wiltz. Scott Mercero, and Billy Newsom. Until last week, they were the only three defensive tackles in NFL history to have interceptions in back-to-back -back games. Well, now, 
B.J. Hill is on that list, and who knows, maybe he'll pick off Mason Rudolph on Saturday and become the first defensive tackle to do it three weeks in a row. I caught up with Hill this week. B.J., the franchise record for interceptions is 65 by Hall of Famer Ken Riley, so you are gaining on him one game at a time. But all kidding aside, you've displayed incredible hands on those interceptions the last couple of weeks. Let's start two weeks ago. Describe the diving interception against Gardner Minshew. Um, Trey made a big play on the quarterback, um, helped knock the ball up uh, off the off the guy, and I just came around the corner. I was seen in the air. I just I knew I had to dive and, and catch it. And you know I got some athletic ability to me. I got some good hands just from you know playing different sports and playing you know different positions in football growing up. So I'm a good athlete. And then last week, you're in the process of sacking Nick Mullins. He decides he's just going to get rid of the ball. It looked like it hit you in the face mask. Was that the case? Yeah, it did. I was surprised that he was throwing it. And when I see him throwing it, it hit me. I'm like, oh, shoot, I can, I can catch this. And it was just right there in front of me. I was there to make a big play. So did you, in fact, go into the defensive backs room recently to tell them that you have better hands than any of them. No comment on that one. I'm, I'm gonna leave that one like that. They know who got the best hands. I don't, I don't need. I don't need to say no more. <laughs> so we're chatting with B.J. Hill. Interceptions are great, but the biggest play last week was stopping the Vikings on fourth and inches in overtime, and you were right at the point of attack on that play. How do you stop a team from gaining a couple of inches? Um, takes a lot, man. Um, me and Zach was, like, both of us in the middle and just got off the ball, really good get off and got some knockback on the center. And he kind of fumbled the ball a little bit, had a, time to, had a hard time trying to get, uh, get control of the ball. So that knockback of hitting the center had the effect on him, man. I think we just did a great job as a, a unit, really, because it took more than just two people. It took the whole 11 just to uh, get us off the field right there. When you're at the bottom of the pile on a play like that, when do you know they didn't get it? You don't know. You just keep on moving your feet no matter what. If you watch the film or something, you see me just keep on moving my feet trying to knock the guy back. Uh, so you, you just never know. So unfortunately, last week you lost DJ Reader for the rest of the season. Can you describe what he means to your group both on the field and in the locker room? Oh, he, he means a lot. It sucks not having him here, but we got some guys who are going to end up stepping up. And he's the type of guy who, when he uh, gets done, you know, feeling better uh, from surgery or whatever, he'll come back and help us out. Um, he's a, he's that type of leader who who's not selfish at all. Who's who's here for the team. Who loves the team. His teammates and wants to win and make big plays. Does your role change at all when he's out? I wouldn't say it changed because I mean, we, like I said, we got other guys that's still good enough to fill that position. It's hard to fill that position from DJ because he's a really great player. But I think those guys gonna come in and fit uh, very well. I just gotta be to me be more. A leader that I have been, you know, what I'm saying, just step in, in that way and just push my guys in, inside to make sure that we're on point with everything this week and the rest of the season. BJ, you faced the Steelers this week. They've dropped three straight. They're turning to their third string quarterback. Do you guys have to remind yourselves you are still facing the Pittsburgh Steelers? For sure, they're still a good team, man. No matter what, no matter the last three games they went through, they're still a good team. They got some playmakers on that side, offense and defense side of the ball, so we got to come and do our job. You just faced them four weeks ago. In that game, they ran for 153 yards, and now you don't have D.J. Reader. 
Are you expecting them to try to run it down your throat this week? I believe so. I mean, um, especially given that I mean, yards the first time, why wouldn't they, right? But I think we got a different kind of mindset this game, and um, just not to hurt ourselves at the end of the day. Uh, just had to fix the little things that come in this game and uh, help us win. Final thing for B.J. Hill, you were mic'd for sound for the Colts game, and at the end of the game, we heard you singing the Bengals growl song. You want to give us a little rendition? <laughs> no, I'm good on that one. <laughs> I'll pass on that. Hear them Bengals growling? <laughs> yeah, I'll pass on that one. <laughs> all right, we'll let you out of singing. Just keep making interceptions, all right? For sure. i get my son to sing for you next time. <laughs> all right, we'll take you up on that. That's B.J. Hill. In the last three weeks, the Steelers have lost to a team that was 2-10 and ten at the time in Arizona, lost to another team that was 2-10 and ten at the time, New England, and then, after taking a 13-0 lead at Indianapolis last week, gave up 30 straight in a loss to the Colts. There's nothing to worry about for the Bengals this week, right? Luana Rumo says, get those thoughts out of your head. Uh, we're playing one of the storied franchises in the NFL. It's a playoff game. Um, they need it. We need it. I, I the sense we just had one of our best walkthroughs we had all year in terms of guys locked in, communication, everything, and that was my message this morning, very firmly. Um, I don't think there's a person in this building that would ever take the Pittsburgh Steelers lightly. In addition to their three-game losing streak, the Steelers have had some drama lately involving wide receivers Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Former Steelers offensive lineman Max Starks, who is part of the radio broadcast team now, joined Dave Lapham and me on the Bengals game plan show this week to share his thoughts on the current state of the Steelers. This is kind of some of the issues that I think you have to deal with when you're when you're trying to turn over a roster and you have a lot of youth on one side of the ball and not a lot of leadership and experience on it. And that's the offensive side of the ball. I think you kind of get into these moments where you kind of get stuck in second gear and you forget how, how, how to shift and how to use, you know, that, that left foot and, you know, when you're trying to drive a manual car. And I think right now with the Steelers, they've kind of got stuck in second gear. And, you know, the defense has kind of held and staved off and covered up, you know, boo-boos earlier in the year. But, you know, it just it has been too much for them and they're trying to learn how to win again and so it's it's frustrating from a perspective but i also you know look at we've also gone almost two decades without really you know having to go through these type of struggles so i think you know some of it is necessary for growth right you have to be able to shed some of the bad stuff and go through it to understand what it takes to push through adversity in the future so it's a frustrating thing but it's a necessity i feel like in every football organization life cycle. The thing that uh, has been surprising to me is, is is losing to Arizona and New England in Pittsburgh. I mean that that just that just that blows my mind a little bit. Um, and then losing to the Colts in Indianapolis. But now the Bengals come uh, to Pittsburgh. When's the last time that Mike Tomlin has lost four in a row and three of them at home? I mean three straight home games to lose and then lose four football games in a row, and then you got to go to Seattle and go to Baltimore. Has this been talked about as, you know, backs against the wall kind of thing? Uh, in my mind, this is going to be one of those slobber knockers, man. I think this is going to be probably the most physical game the Bengals have been in all season long. Yeah, so, David, and you know this as a former offensive lineman, right? You know, it, it's you're, you're frustrated, and for Mike Tomlin, you know, this hasn't happened 
for him uh, under these type of circumstances. I mean, we looked last year, but not in back-to-back fashion like this. I mean, you know, when they started the season pretty terribly, <laughs> one and six start. Um, right. But, you know, I look at this and I, and I say, it's got to be a physical match. Like, it has to mean something to you, and especially when it's a divisional game. Yeah. You know, it, you know, and, and when it's a divisional game, it just brings a little something extra out of you, even if you're new or you're old to it. You're old to it. When you see that familiar team, a team that you have to see for a second time a year, it brings out a little something in you. And I think for them, it, it has to be physical. I mean, you think about both the Bengals and the Steelers, you know, on to backup quarterbacks uh, leading the way. That's the, best, that's the easiest way to help that quarterback out is to be able to run the ball effectively yep. and to try and impose your will on the other on the other side first. And it comes back to that old action. Whoever gets to 100 yards first should win this game. Throw technique out the window. Get the guy in front of you blocked. However you're going to do it, get the guy blocked because I think that's really what the essence of December football division rival football is. It's about a mentality and the want to versus the X's and the O's. It comes down to the Jimmys and the Joes. We're visiting with former Steelers O-lineman Max Starks. We only have a few minutes left with you, Max. What are the Steelers hoping for out of Mason Rudolph this week, and is there any chance that Kenny Pickett plays? Uh, I don't know if, if it's necessarily feasible to put Kenny in this soon coming off of ankle surgery, but I am you know, in, you know, know, happy about the fact that he is at least getting practice in some form. I don't think we can expect him. Um, I think it'd be probably a week too soon. Um, I believe next week would probably be a better time to really test that ankle out. But, um, you know, I think for Mason, it's the guy who's been in the system the longest. Like, he's the most tenured quarterback on this roster. And he's he's been in this system the entire time. He's he's had to perform in it in sparing roles over the in the last year and a half only once. But he knows football. He started in this league. He's played games. He's also played divisional games, so I think he understands the the power of the moment. But I don't expect him to be the guy that they're going to ask last time out. He threw the ball 50 times. That's not feasible. Both teams have a dominant pass rusher. I mean, T.J. Watt, 16 sacks. Trey Hendrickson, 15 sacks. But I I agree with you. The team that runs the football and maybe anchors, uh, you know, those two guys, it's going to be – uh, you know, protection pressure. Who can who can protect? Uh, you, you know, who can pressure the quarterback? It's going to be uh, based on how strong is the running game. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to take out a great pass rusher: don't pass. Right. Uh, and, yeah. And so, you know, like you said, if you can establish that run and force that guy to have to hold the point, run at at run at both of those premier pass rushers, and see who does better in the run defense. Um, you know, is what you're going to try and do. You know, you're not going to run away from either one of them because that's what they love. They love when things run away from them. You know, they they are the apex predators when it comes to that, of hunting down guys, trying to get away from them. So the best thing to do is to run straight at them and force them with double teams, chip blocks, and really try and take something off of those pass rushes. And that's that's one of the keys. You know, how do I eliminate a guy from continuing to try and push for the sack crown this season well, don't give him opportunities to where he can get sacked, or at least don't give him an easy route to it. Make him earn it every single step of the way. So the run game is key in that fundamental. 
Don't forget the Bengals pep rally show on Friday. I can't be there because of a UC basketball game, and Lap will be traveling with the Bengals to Pittsburgh. Wayne Box Miller will host and will be joined by former Bengals Eric Thomas and Doug Pelfrey. They'll be at the Wings and Rings in Union, Kentucky on Friday from 3 to 6. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.